0: It is another edition of Talking Foosball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week, you know, we saw a bit of a European tune up in the Bundesliga. We had four of Germany's seven teams involved in UEFA competitions going head to head in two marquee matchups, and one of them turned out great. But to be fair, the other one did too, for one team. With me to chew the fat, mull it over, spin a yarn or two about match day four is Goal.com's own Ronan Murphy. Welcome back. Thanks very much for having
1: me. It's a, it's, it's been a while, so it's, a, it's nice to make my, my season debut, and hopefully I'll be uh, as impressive as some of the, the, the new Bundesliga signings have been so far this season.
0: Yeah, I can see you you know becoming a, a regular in the side as long as you put in the goals, so uh, no pressure.
1: Yeah, yeah staying injury-free at my age might be the main hazard, <laughs> but uh, we, we, we'll do our best and maybe it can be an impact substitute. Excellent, yeah. I mean, when everyone else is tired and then I won't look as slow.
0: I've had to transfer into the coaching ranks myself. I I, I couldn't stay injury-free for more than about uh, 12 minutes, I think, if I were on the pitch. Yeah, that that, that,
1: that sounds accurate enough. I, I do a bit of 5 aside, side but um, I let everyone else do it. The younger, the younger fitter guys that are running, I've tried to avoid effort where, all, where at all possible. So maybe I can be an Field general that just, just stands around and waits for the ball to come to him like a magnet.
0: All right. Well, I will try and uh, send the balls to you in a way that, that doesn't really require too much extraneous movement then. We've got a lot to discuss this week. we got a, a certain seven goal thriller. We had a dispiriting blowout at the Central Stadion. Chances of European conquest, much, much more. All right. Here comes part one of Talking Foosball, the part where we get into the biggest matches and storylines from the week. You know, I tipped our hand uh, at the top of the show. There were two matches that really stood out above all others. And at least one of them is what you might call an instant classic in the Bundesliga. It's, it's a game that, you know, between two teams who often put on a show when they line up against each other, both teams have a real tradition of attacking football and don't shy away from a, uh, a shootout. It was Bayer Leverkusen and Russia Dortmund. This one ended up a 4-3 win for Dortmund. A shocking game in so many ways. I guess the, the first shock came with the fact that, you know, Leverkusen jumped out to a lead again and again and again, and Dortmund just kept reeling them in, despite the fact that they were, you know, up against it from a somewhat controversial VAR call on a goal, you know, earlier on that Got some of their, you know, fans and other observers upset about the parameters of that system. But then again, the uh, the system kind of turned its way back around for them late in the game to help them toward that four three win. Ronan, what did you make of this game? What do you make of uh, these two teams' sort of opening portions of the season? I just thought there was a ton to like about this game, and I was a little sorry. For Leverkusen, because they, you know, they had a, a lot of great moments in this game, but I can't really argue with the fight that Dortmund put up here.
1: Yeah, I think it was the perfect advertisement for the Bundesliga, and unfortunately, it wasn't on the television in, in the UK and Ireland. It was, it was on, on at the, the three PM blackout. Is back this season, so not a lot of people got to see it, and instead, they were they were focused on some some fella that signed for Man United, an old gentleman, I'm not really sure who he always. And maybe I shouldn't call him a gentleman, actually. But that's neither here nor there for a Bundesliga podcast. But yeah, I think it was the perfect advertisement for Bundesliga. And if you, if you haven't seen it, you should check out the highlights because there are goals and goals and goals and more goals. And it was just kind of fascinating from end to finish. And like you said about the, the video refereeing, I think it's always going to be controversial when it's against your team. But when it, co- it turns around and gives your team a, a decision in your, in your benefit... Then it's not so bad anymore, so I think it evened it out, and when you have someone like Arling Haaland, when you're playing against him, you can never be sure that a game is won, no matter how many times you go into the lead. He just seems sort of inevitable, like a, a certain Polish striker that's also in the league.
0: Yeah. How do you see, you know, Borussia Dortmund, they've had a lot of brushes with ultimate success in the Bundesliga over the last couple of seasons, and Changing to Marco Rosa as their coach heading into this season, I think that there was probably even more expectation than there has been heading into the last few seasons of taking that next step. I feel like a lot of the time in the post-Klopp slash Tuchel era at Dortmund, there's always been a degree of skepticism about what they're ceiling is and you know, this is their guy who they've been waiting for for the entire second half of last season and who was allegedly going to put in a system that suited them better. How do you see that coming together so far? I mean the results are pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think we're still kind of waiting to see that system. It seems to be a kind of continuation of what we know and love about watching Russia Dortmund matches is there's loads of goals for and against and they seem to have plenty of power front and maybe lapses in concentration at the back. And it seems to be that it's a last season. Some people I know were saying that Terzic had the, the uh, his tactics was Terzic go and give it to Haaland. And I think Marco Rosa so far is Rosa go as well. So I think it's just give it to the quick players and the, the, the skillful guys and they'll work it out and whatever happens happens. So we're still kind of waiting to see, his blueprint fully on this team and I suppose it's early in the, in the season and he's trying to kind of see what he has and there's been obviously injury concerns and things like that and a few knocks and people missing out for various reasons like coming back from international duty and Rain obviously would have started this weekend but Julian Brandt had stepped in and performed admirably so I think this kind of match it'll be great for the team's confidence the fact that they had to come back so many times and we're able to get the win, it should kind of prove that they are kind of going in the right direction. And If Marco Rosa can work his magic with the team and get the players performing the way he wants them to and playing in the system that he wants them to, I think they, they could be challengers again this season.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned Julian Brandt just there because I feel like he is somebody who in, in his entire time now at Dortmund has felt like a bit of a you know, odd man out, not only in terms of how much he's played, but even when he has played, hasn't always looked like he's moving at the same pace or or thinking the same thoughts about, you know, runs and through balls, et cetera, as as his teammates. And the fact that he took his chance, you know, when Gio Reyna was out, you know, having, having picked up that injury with the USMNT, he took his chance great. He was very good in this game. He scored a very good goal. It's hugely encouraging that they have a player who's sort of been in the second row, a bit of a backbench player, come in and look like he's got something a little bit more dynamic up his sleeve this season.
1: Yeah, I think that's been the problem with, with Dortmund in previous seasons, that they just had not had the same depth maybe as Bayern have had. And perhaps if they can call on guys like like Brandt or, or Daniel Malin or maybe even Knauf, guys like this, if they have to come off the bench, or to rotate depending on their, their European performance, it, it kind of makes them a stronger team. And you will get some of these younger players coming through, as you always do. So Lukaku obviously is someone that is still learning the game. and With every game he plays, he, he'll only get better. So I think Dortmund do have a bit extra depth this season. Maybe they have, that was lacking in previous seasons, and injury crises and, and things like that would set them back. And as always with the Bundesliga, If Byron slip up, everybody else has to be at their best to kind of capitalize. But I think Dortmund maybe have a stronger set-up and and the right coach this season to watch out for Byron's blip and maybe that's their time to make a move on them.
0: Yep. Can we just talk for a second about Jude Bellingham? Not only... He was good in this game. He's pretty much always good for Dortmund. He's showing England fans that he is, you know, good for them as well, now that they've decided that they can play him. His maneuver celebrating a goal, catching a cup of beer while taking a piggyback ride, catching it one-handed, <laughs> sipping the cup of beer, spitting it out, is... One of the greatest celebration moments that I've ever seen on a football pitch. I have to say that this was truly epic.
1: Yeah, I think the, the Bundesliga social account should milk it for all it's worth and, and keep kind of rolling out, out again and again. And it, it was good that Belliams kind of joked afterwards that was his first ever beer and he didn't like it. And uh, I'm not surprised that the, the, the stadium beer sometimes doesn't doesn't live up to expectations. But usually if you're in that kind of spirit that you're, you're going to draw a beer after the pitch, I w- I doubt it was your first beer today, so I think mean, you get in the stadium is probably tasty at that at that stage anyway. But uh, I really enjoyed it, and I, it's kind of part of, part of the, the part of the atmosphere, the kind of entertainment that we're all used to seeing week in week out in Germany.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that player, and and I've 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 probably mentioned it a time or two in the past. I think he's going to be such a wonderful Dortmund player, and I hope he sticks around at least. I don't know, two more seasons in the Bundesliga because his attitude and his ability to sort of ride that enthusiasm whether it's home fans cuz he clearly loves to to fire them up at the Westfalen but he's doing it with away fans too. He's he's giving them everything that they're dishing out and he's he's just hitting him right back with it. It's 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 so inspiring. <laughs>
1: yeah, he just seems to be enjoying it all and he kind of has confidence in his own ability. He's not going to let anything distract him on or off the pitch. And that's kind of the maturity that he's shown. And I've spoken to people doing a feature on him before the Euros. I spoke to people at Dortmund and I spoke to people at Birmingham City. That's kind of one of the things that they said about him. He was always mature. He always had his kind of head screwed on properly. And he wasn't going to let anything kind of stop him from being as good as he could be. And he puts in the extra hours and the extra effort. And you can kind of see that coming out of the pitch. And then... I suppose that's the time he also lets his hair down. Is is what celebrating good performances and like at the weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's very cool because sometimes players who display that kind of attitude on the pitch, fairly or unfairly, get sort of you know maligned as you know being a bit too cocky or not having their head screwed on. And the fact that like no one says that about this guy, he just actually has legit swag on the pitch is amazing. Let's talk a little bit about where these two teams are headed this week. I guess as sort of an appetizer, we can just sort of mention Leverkusen's date in the uh, the Europa League there on Thursday. They're at home to Ferencvaros. That's, I mean, a home game against uh, a Hungarian team. That, that's got to be a three-pointer, right?
1: You would hope so, but uh, our good friend Abel might disagree. I'm not sure I've seen enough of them to... To know, I, uh, I'm like a, a British pundit on on television. So, uh, who are these foreigners? Uh, <laughs> nice. I don't know anything about them. sure they, this is an easy win for England? We'll, <laughs> we'll have an a, or whoever the English side is playing. You would imagine it is, but you can never be too sure. And I suppose with Leverkusen, the way they played at the weekend, it was it was thrilling. And against another side, maybe they would have won, but today it wasn't to be. Or this weekend, it wasn't to be, I should say. And the same could happen in mid, midweek. It's it's always a kind of a roulette wheel of results when you when you have Leverkusen in domestic action and European action.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Leverkusen, as a team who have sort of bounced between the Europa League and the Champions League a lot in recent seasons, I have been a little surprised, and maybe this just is, is um, more of a matter of, of what their abilities are. They, they certainly went out with a bit of a whimper last season. But I, I'm a little bit surprised that considering there's getting to be a bit more of a pileup in the Bundesliga for those top four Champions League places, that they haven't put more stock in trying to win the Europa League as a sort of alternate route into the Champions League. I mean, I I, I would love to see them, you know, go on a run in that competition, not only because I, I, I think it would be fun, but also because German teams have been terrible in the Europa League. In recent seasons, other than Eintracht, who went on a run, you know, three seasons ago to the semi-final, it's been not good.
1: No, it hasn't. I think Austrian teams have nearly been as uh, as good as German teams in the Europa League, and that kind of tells you all you need to know. It seems to be an afterthought to, to try to put the Bundesliga first, which is which is fine, I suppose, when you're putting it because that's what your your fans want you to do. It's always hard to win a European competition, especially when you have some of the teams that get knocked out in the Champions League kind of entering into knockout stages. It becomes harder then. but You would think the Bundesliga teams would have a good chance of, of winning Europa League, especially something like, like Leverkusen, who have, obviously have good depth and have great attacking players. And last season, they had a good defence and hopefully this season they can get their act together and have a good defence again, especially if they can keep their full-backs fit they should be able to mount maybe a challenge for it. And like you said, it could be a great way to get themselves into the Champions League because that battle for the top four is very, very tough and just getting tougher at the moment.
0: For sure. Okay, well, well, Dortmund, they're in European action as well. They're a Wednesday team. Uh, that means they're in the Champions League. They are traveling to Istanbul for a game with the Schicktaş. I can't say I have very much to say about that matchup. Do you
1: have much to say? Yeah, I think the the Batshuayi thing will be the the interesting kind of talking point there. Considering he's a, a former Dortmunder and he he'll welcome them to to Besiktas, as they say. So I, I think that'll be the the interesting one there and see how he performs. But yeah, it it, should, it is a match that, that Dortmund should be looking to win. They should be trying to get their Champions League campaign off to a good start. Get three points on the board. Early on, and that'll stand them in good stead for the rest of the competition. And I think that's how they have to look at it, and they'll have to play the strongest team. They can't kind of be concerned with rotation at this early stage of the season. A
0: couple of other familiar faces for you know Bundesliga fans there in Besiktas: Miralem we Pjanic and uh, Gukan Ture. So. uh, You know, we'll see how that one pans out for Dortmund. I think they probably have pretty high hopes for that Champions League campaign. I mean, Ajax and Sporting Club de Portugal are the other teams in their group, which is not exactly easy. But you don't have a sort of super heavyweight in that group. I I think that that one could turn out to be uh, quite interesting.
1: Yeah, when you saw the draw, you you thought it was a favorable one for Dortmund compared to to draws they could have got or teams that could have been pulled out of the hat against them. So it seems like one that they definitely should qualify from them. And if they are the Dortmund that we think they are, and if Erling Haaland can be even half as good as he usually is, it should be a kind of an easy qualifying campaign for them. Maybe they could have it wrapped up with a game or two to go even. Yep,
0: yeah, we wish them well as it were, on Wednesday. Well, let's move over and talk about the other big one from the Bundesliga this weekend. This one was, you know, even more so than, you know, Leverkusen versus Dortmund, was billed as a a battle of two true heavyweights, two teams who are participating in this year's Champions League. And it was not good. (laughs) It was not good. RB Leipzig... We're hosting Bayern Munich. It was the top spiel, the game that takes place on Saturday night, local time. The one that uh, enjoyed the biggest buildup, probably domestically and abroad. And Leipzig just kind of rolled over and died. I mean, they were down 1-0, 12 minutes in, and were down 3-0, 10 minutes into the second half. It was... A really lopsided game and one that kind of brought me back. I'm sure it probably brought you back to that place that Bundesliga fans go to when Bayern absolutely throttle another alleged title candidate that just makes you think, what are we all doing here? Did this game sort of send you into the same funk that it did me. Yeah,
1: I, th- I I think for for all the saying that the, the Borussia Dortmund-Leverkusen game was the perfect advertisement for the Bundesliga, this was not the perfect advertisement for the Bundesliga. This was everything that you tried to deny the, that Bayern had bought the Bundesliga and it just ha- so happened to be the team became second, that they took the manager and the midfielder and the best defender from. Then they just, after giving them two of their best players and their, their head coach, they decided to Roll over some more and have their belly scratched it again. So it was, yeah, it was not a good look for Leipzig and it was not a good look for the Bundesliga, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it sort of reopened so many debates about financial scale, given that Bayern are basically just running a club which is, in pure dollar numbers, about twice as large as any other uh, other team in the division, even a club like RB Leipzig, which you know. They say it means Glasenball Sport, but we know what it really means. We know that they're not exactly hurting for money there at Red Bull Central. And it just sort of illustrates again that even clubs who are perceived to be, you know, financially mighty are just not even playing on the same scale. Interesting thing that happened in the wake of this game. and, And I know that, you know, you as a football journalist who, you know, understands the sort of Repertorial ecosystem of the football world. Know that sometimes stories published in one market end up getting picked up in another market. Sometimes promptly, sometimes not so promptly. Oddly enough, an interview that Tyler Adams of, you know, RB Leipzig gave to the athletic Almost two weeks ago, basically, when he was reporting for duty with uh, the U.S. men's national team, he made some comments about feeling a bit disappointed, a bit frustrated, a bit, you know, angered by the fact that his coach and the best defender and the best midfielder from his team had all gone to Bayern. And it sort of left him feeling a bit enervated, I guess. And it was interesting to see the German press after this game start searching around for threads to pull. And they, you know, they they somehow stumbled across this this bit of content from The Athletic about two weeks later. I mean, it turned out to be incredibly germane and incredibly timely, but kind of funny to see uh, the pickup there.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's something that we are often would see ourselves kind of. On this, you'd be like, oh, those quotes are really meaty. And then you'd see, I oh, know where they're from six days ago. We can't really run them. They're not relevant anymore, we said before. But uh, I don't think the, some of the German media had such kind of reluctance. It was just like, yes, let's run with this. We, we, we smell blood in the water and we're going to go in, dive into the water and see what happens, I suppose. And it was uh, the perfect time for that, that sort of thing. And it, it kind of, People who hate Bayern gave them just a little more reason to hate Bayern.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I I don't hate Bayern, but I do feel very envious of (laughs) at least one thing. Their money is neither here nor there, their place in German football, the sort of dominant position that they have. But the icing on the cake right now (laughs) is that not only do they have, you know, a lot of really highly touted, really highly paid, you know, proven Bundesliga performers who they've brought in, you know, from from other teams within the league. But they also probably have maybe the best young player in the league in Jamal Musiala. I mean, he scored early in the second half, basically, you know, not quite putting this game on ice, but at least putting to bed any notion that uh, there was going to be an early fight back in the second half for Leipzig. And he is basically pushing his name to the head of all conversations about young players in the Bundesliga. And it's shocking that he's, he's getting time for Bayern while he's doing it.
1: I'm delighted, I must say. It, it, it feels great to see a former England other age international that has moved to, to Germany <laughs> getting on so well and becoming...
0: I knew you'd have a great
1: perspective on this. ...becoming one of the best young players in the world. It's fantastic to see, after having to watch Jack Grealish and Declan Rice go all the way to the European Championship Final this summer it's as an Irish person I'm only too delighted to see Mossiada flourish and I hope he continues to get better scores 100 goals for Germany and wins 7 Champions League (laughs) with Bayern Munich
0: which clubs would you like to see him beat in those finals the most? Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter as long as they're English clubs. Oh,
1: okay. Perhaps, perhaps an English club in the final, an English club in the semi-final, and another English club in the quarter
0: <laughs> But there's, there's, not, there's not one or two English clubs that have a, a very special, horrible place in your heart?
1: No, I, I detest them all equally. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, let's switch gears and talk about where these teams are going in Europe. It's all kicking off this week. It's happening on Tuesday for Bayern. They are headed to, uh, you know, Barcelona to take on FC Barcelona. You know, Barcelona have basically been in the world football headlines for. Almost entirely the wrong reasons this summer, and they haven't exactly started like gangbusters. Is this maybe a chance for Bayern to go away and, um, you know, put a stamp on this group on match day one?
1: Yeah, I think it is. Uh, You you just have to look at the the last time Bayern visited Camp Nou, and that was the historic 8 2 win. And if anything, Barcelona are much worse now. Not not saying it's going to be 8 2, obviously, because Bayern probably are a bit worse too. But I think it's, it's the perfect time to play a team like Barcelona because they're still kind of trying to find their own identity after Messi leaving and Griezmann leaving and the kind of heart being torn out of the team and the heart being torn out of the club. And they're trying to figure out where they sit kind of in this football ecosystem now at the moment. And if there is a good time to play Barcelona, kind of now, whereas maybe in another few weeks or another few months later in the group it might be trickier to, to visit because they might have got their act together and they might have figured what, out what works. Just give the ball to Memphis and hope for the best is what it seems for at the moment. But in a few weeks, they might have added a plan B as well as that plan A. So I, I think it's a, it's the perfect time for Bayern to go there and I can see them coming away with, with all three points.
0: And how about Leipzig on Wednesday? They too have something of a tall order ahead of them quite a lot taller than, uh, than Bayerns. To be fair, they are in uh, Manchester to play City.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, there is, a, unlike the Barcelona kind of narrative that I went with there, I don't think there's any good time to play Man City. It's just going to Man City is just a bad time for, for everybody involved. So I, I, I don't see them getting much at all. Man City just have have too much in their team. They don't even need a striker anymore. They didn't sign—they didn't sign their, their Harry Kane, but they do, don't need to. It doesn't really matter who starts up front to go to score goals and keep the ball and make things difficult for for Leipzig. And Leipzig, of course, will not be full of confidence after their dismal display at the weekend. So, it's kind of a bad time for them. But like I said, it's always a bad time to them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we,
0: we we will check back in on them next weekend and see just just how dinged up they are after that one. All right, let's take a quick break. Okay, here comes part two of Talking football Direct, where we talk about the rest of the games from the week as well as, uh, you know, any other storylines that might still be kicking around. I guess we probably should start with the other Champions League participant who we have in the Bundesliga. That was Wolfsburg. I think we can agree that they had a pretty soft send-off ahead of, uh, you know, their European travels. They they were away to Kreuterfurt. They scored early. They scored late. They took three points in a, you know, lopsided if, you know, somewhat unspectacular 2-0 win in Franconia. You know, the, the Wolves, they're, they're, they're headed to Lille for their first Champions League match since 2015. And I say that because it, it has been a while since they were at this level in, in, in European competition. But, you know, I looked back at that campaign from six years ago and, and they actually won their group. They won their group alongside. They, they beat out you know, PSV, Man United, and uh, Seska Moscow. I think they're looking very good in the Bundesliga, although they haven't had maybe the, the toughest schedule thus far. But h- how are you looking their chances in Europe?
1: Yeah, I think they're extremely well during the summer transfer window. They brought in plenty of a, attackers to kind of support Valk So he's not the kind of... Not relying on him as much as they needed to before, so I I think they they stand in good stead. And or they themselves had a bit of a Leipzig sort of summer where they lost some of their key players, coach, that sort of thing. So they're a team in transition themselves. Whereas Wolfsburg were able to kind of, I suppose, keep their core together after qualifying for the Champions League. Keep out Vegarst because he. He didn't have a, a tremendous Euros, which maybe might have put him more in the shop window. He just kind of bumbled along for a bit for the Netherlands, but that that's obviously good for the Wolves. And he'll continue to be their kind of key man up front, but with have plenty of support. And I think it was good to see Mbappé come off the bench at the weekend and kind of prove that maybe he should be fit for the match in midweek and they can bring their fullbacks in and that'll give them a kind of an extra dimension because... Maybe they didn't need to get out with third gear against Fort at the weekend because it was always going to be kind of an expected three points for them. Yeah,
0: despite it was the fact being an away uh, match, I think anything other than three points would have been a, a real shock in this game. Really good to see that contribution from Luca Mecha. In this game, you mentioned earlier the sort of burden being lifted a little bit off of Weghorst's shoulders, and that that's that's a really positive sign. Wolfsburg's group also features uh, Sevilla and uh, Salzburg. I would say they're a decent bet to advance in the Champions League, especially if they have anything like the form they have right now in the Bundesliga.
1: Yeah, I think they they also got a somewhat favorable draw, and uh, I think they should be confident of going through, especially if they can get a, a good result this week. I think that'll set them off nicely and that'll give them the confidence that they can qualify for the, the knockout stages. It's just, I suppose, how they manage playing these, these, these English weeks where they have to play in midweek every week. It's, that's going to be the kind of tricky thing to see if the players that they brought in, adept players like I mentioned earlier, are up to the task of competing in, in Germany and in, in Europe.
0: All right, we can talk now about some of these other teams participating in Europe at, the, at, a, at a lower level, albeit. Eintracht Frankfurt were in action on Sunday. This was a, a real slow burner of a game, uh, their, their match against Stuttgart. Not a lot of chances and no goals until the final 11 minutes. Philip Kostic is Corker of a shot looked like it was probably going to be the winner, but the brand new Wolfsburg loanee. I guess they're they're, they're sending some players away as opposed to just um, bringing them in. Omar Marmouche even things up two minutes from time for Stuttgart. I guess before we talk about European issues, I, I wanted to get your 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 opinion on something. I, I noticed you recently on Twitter remarking on a certain NFL player. I know you're keen. NFL fan. And his shopping habits, potentially, um, you know, spending a little bit too t- too much time and money at Dan Flashes. Dan Flashes, of course, uh, the place at the, the shops at the Creek where you can get um, the most expensive, most complicated patterned shirts. And it's guys who look just like you in there. Not just you, all of us, all of us, Ronan. I noticed Oliver Glasner had a pretty adventurous shirt on in this game. It was it was only black and white and it was a little bit too tasteful to be, you know, Dan Flashes special. But who would you put up in the rankings among Bundesliga coaches as most likely to shop at Dan Flashes?
1: Yeah, I think Glasner's short was was pretty Dan Dan Flashes. It probably wasn't jazzy enough. It would have been one and on maybe the bargain rail. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> only 89.99.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't have had to spend his entire lunch money he would have been able to get maybe a burrito that that, that day as well as the shirt but um, yeah I'd say Nagel's man seems to be the obvious candidate given the kind of the outfit choices that he has made headlines with in the Champions League when when the, the wider world has seen what he has to offer so I think maybe it's him but I'm I am not one to uh, comment on on people's styles because uh I'm I'm not very stylish myself and uh, Whenever I address my, my two sons, my wife always kind of questions, you put that and that together on them? What are you doing? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I'm barely able to dress myself these days. So you know, I, I might need some, some help off Julian Nagasman how to look trendy and, and cool in 2021.
0: Yeah, I, I think Nagasman's a really good shout on that. I think, however, an outside chance for me, and we've commented on his, his, his fashion uh, in, in the past, would be Stefan Baumgart. Of Cologne, he's very dependent on the club shop, but I would not put it past Cologne to come out with a, a Dan Flash special, and I certainly wouldn't put it past Baumgart to pick it up if if it was ever put out because he likes uh, he likes likes a little bit garish. Okay, so leaving. <laughs> Leaving, I think you should leaving uh, that behind. Yeah, Eintracht, they have a date with uh, Mesut Özil and Fenerbahce on Thursday. They, of course, are still looking for their first win in the Bundesliga. Could this be maybe an icebreaker for them, if they could get a result at home with uh, the, the big boys from Turkey?
1: Yeah, I think it, it could be. And, and the fact that Kostic came off the bench and scored for them kind of shows that they can put a line under the, the kind of that's your nonsense that happened before the transfer window closed. And maybe they can kind of depend on him the way that they depended on him last season and in the previous few seasons. He could be their, their key player again. and If he starts on midweek, they definitely should have a chance of maybe getting a win under their belt and maybe building from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I reckon despite the fact that, that, that Philip Kostic had a very tumultuous summer slash opening weeks of the Bundesliga campaign. I mean, he, he didn't exactly cover himself in glory with some of his uh, antics or his uh, social media posts. But when he came in this game against Stuttgart, he did kind of take it over and it looked like he was you know going to earn them a win before that 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 late goal from Marmoush. Yeah, I don't know a lot about uh, Fenerbahce, you know. They as as is kind of usual, they they have a lot of ex Bundesliga players. That's kind of, you know, Turkish teams way. Marcel Tisserand, Luis Gustavo, Max Meyer as of this week.
1: That's world class <laughs> Max Meyer too. <laughs> exactly,
0: world class Max Meyer, as well as and this this shocked me. Jose Ernesto Sosa, who played for Bayern about 13 years ago. Somebody who's a real blast from the Bundesliga past.
1: Was he in Zlatan Ibrahimovic's class in school? Is he that old?
0: I, I, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him to be that old.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look the the most difficult team to play against on paper. But European trips and European ties are, can always be testy at the best of times. But you would, you would have every faith every that they, they can start with a win.
0: Yes, indeedy. Who else? We got, we got Union Berlin. They are also taking part in Europe. Of course, they are at the UEFA Europa Conference League level. They didn't really get the send-off they were looking for. They uh, they drew at home with uh, with strugglers, Alex Ward. Really, they did more than enough to get a result, but they, they just kept on hitting the woodwork. They did it three times in this game. On Thursday – they're heading down to Prague, or I guess they're probably heading down on Wednesday. Not a bad way to start your European campaign, especially considering their fans can quite realistically uh, make it to a game in Prague. I would think.
1: Yeah, definitely, and their fans, we all know kind of how vocal they can be and how passionate they can be. So it seems kind of a nice, close game. We get to get the train down, maybe, and enjoy the scenery on the on the journey and then have a, a few points before the game and see how how the win takes you.
0: Okay, let's do our little mop-up work here on Talking Foosball. we got four more games to mention. We can go through them pretty quickly, I think. Cologne and Freiburg played to a 1-1 tie. It seemed like, you know, Cologne, it looked like all their, their, their new attacking flair and, and effort was going to earn them another win in this game until Rafael Chikos was was good enough to... Score at the wrong end and hand Freiburg a point. Are you a believer in in Cologne thus far? They've they've gotten a lot of good results. They have, you know, looked much much more sort of front foot. Let's just say this season.
1: Yeah, I think they they kind of shown enough last season, but this is always going to be a tricky tie for them. I think going to Freiburg is always a, a difficult match for any team, and even some of the bigger teams can struggle there at times. Of, I think a point is a, is a respectable result and they probably should be happy enough with them because these are the t- sort of teams that they should be competing with in the table or the teams around their level. So I don't think they should be too disappointed or, or a will delay at home goal. I suppose these things happen and, and sometimes they they happen in, in in great circumstances like Ireland drawing against Serbia last week and it was, it was just fantastic for, for me to experience that up close in the, in the stadium. So, <laughs> so I doubt I doubt the Freiburg fans minded too much of too, too much about the late on goal because part and parcel of football, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you're you're the one who's uh, <laughs> just delighted, and sometimes it's a gut punch. Okay, Mainz, they got a two nil win in Zinsheim against Hoffenheim. They stay undefeated. They stay. Eth- you know, near the top of the table. I guess what they're in fourth or something like that right now. Jonathan Burkhardt, uh, notched a somewhat unusual record in this game. Each of his four career Bundesliga goals have been one nil goals. They've broken a nil 0 deadlock. He joins Tomasz Galasek and Fabrice Eret on that mark. Kind of a kind of kind of a weird and kind of a cool record, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you have to look a lot at what Paul Svensson was doing. Then, after he scored, like, why would you leave him on the pitch? Just take him off. He's not going to do anything for the rest of the match. You've got 70, you've got another 70 minutes. Just, just take him off. He's, he's not going to score. Put on somebody else.
0: Yep. Yep. Fair enough. Hertha BSA, they got off the mark with their first win of the season in Bochum, which was really pretty unfair on the home side, considering it was easily the Berliner Sport Club's worst performance of the season, and boy, take it from someone who's sat through all of them thus far. Yeah, Mizian Maldita scored on his debut, so, you know, maybe, maybe some better days are to come for Hertha. Yeah, I think the, uh, the big positive there is Suat
1: showing exactly why they and, yeah. oh, yeah. the bottom. him. Yeah. And the kind of potential that he had at Schalke that maybe we didn't see last season. Because he was, uh, he, the previous season, he looked like he was going to be a real talent he I mean, just everybody as well as and the lost their way last season. So, so if he can turn things around and bounce back, and this can be kind of his usual level, he can definitely repel them onto bigger, and better things. Obviously, as you will, you will definitely hope he can.
0: Yeah, Hertha were famously they didn't have a lot of goals in them from midfield. So having having someone who can play, you know, centrally, somewhat, um, you know, far forward, and is a threat to score. Even two goals a game sometimes is really, really nice. Okay. Finally, we have uh, Gladbach. This was the last game of the match day. They were 3-1 winners at home to uh, Armenia Bielefeld. Had a pair of assists from the the super-duper sub himself, Patrick Herrmann, that broke a second-half deadlock. That meant that the Foles got their first win of the Bundesliga season as well. Lars Dindel, Dennis Zakaria the goal scorers. Any concern for, for Bruce, you mentioned, Gladbach getting so late off the mark in this season?
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think the, the potential is there, and you know the kind of ability that players have. I think it's just taken a while for maybe Adi Hooter to, to make his stamp on things, and perhaps he's trying to do things a bit differently, and that's taken its time to, to bet in. But I, they have shown glimpses of what they're able to do, and we know the players that they have are kind of quality players that can compete at the top end of the Bundesliga, so you wouldn't really have any concerns. I just hope that they get a few more injuries in midfield, so Conor Nost can get a few minutes. Because he's the one of the few Irish players we have playing in Germany, so it'd be nice to see him get his his senior debut for the club.
0: All right, that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced, as always, by Aidan Rantel. Really, really good to get you back on the show, runner
1: Yeah, well, it was good, good to be back, and hope my, my cameo was lived up to the billing that we had at the start of the show and and maybe i might be able to get to convince the board to sign a new contract or, or at least give me a bit of an extension for a, a one year option perhaps
0: yeah i mean with with the uh, the injury situation at your position uh, I, I think we're really we're kind of over a barrel so you know I, I, you're, you're signed as far as i'm concerned
1: well, you shouldn't tell me things like that. My my agent is going to just use that to bleed you dry, <laughs> and it'll be it'll be like a messy at Barcelona situation. <laughs> no, it's, talking football is just going to go under because we just be paying me too much.
0: Well, y- you are advertising us uh, on Twitter very nicely, uh, I, I, so that comes in handy. You can follow Ronan on Twitter, of course, at swear I'm not Paul. If you want to contact me over there, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman. Please just subscribe to this pod if you're not already doing so. You know, tell your friends about us, rate us, write us a review, all that good stuff. The next edition of Talking Foosball Extra with Nick is uh, going to be another Aufstieg edition. So get ready for some Zweiten Bundesliga talk. Talking Foosball Fantasy with JT and Flo. They'll be back later in the week. They'll help you get ready for match day five. It's, of course, going to be kind of a tricky one after uh, the season's first European action, placing a few rotation demands on seven Bundesliga coaches. Anyway, this is some next time,